Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. I'm like, we got back, we got Shane, and we're all together once again in the wonderful city of Toronto, mm-hmm. bringing you another live in the room, but I guess pre-taped for you, listeners. Yes. Guys, we had a hell of a morning. We sure did. Yeah, it was, it was unlike most mornings for me, unlike most mornings for most. We went to a movie. Yeah. If yeah, you, if a three-hour long movie. Three hours. Yeah. It was something. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this episode Full disclosure is that there is a chance we might we might yeah. put an interview on the end of this episode. Oh, is that how we're gonna do it? I think that's how we're gonna do it. Okay. Wait, with Ari Aster? Yeah. Whoa. But if but there's also a chance we don't get the interview and it's just gonna be a 35 minute episode. And as, okay. a, and as a listener, you'll know because if there's no interview, you'll know it didn't happen. <laughs> However, we did see that movie this morning. It is called Bo is Afraid. Yeah. And can we say uh, our thoughts or is that not allowed? I think we say our thoughts. Say we our can thoughts. talk about our thoughts, uh, because I think it's a really interesting movie, hmm. but also what's even more interesting than the movie is us going to the movie. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, it's meeting up at 9.30 a.m. at Scotiabank Theater. Uh, I was surprised to hear bags of what I would assume is candy or snacks crinkling to the right of me. I no. didn't know at a 9.30 movie people actually ate no, snacks. No, Ash and I got <laughs> breakfast sandwiches that we brought oh, to the brought theater. Breakfast they were yes. quite loud. Were they? Yes. <laughs> well, there's not many people in the theater. There, there I was, know. Who do you think got invited to this? So it was our row. So it was the three of us, Manager Ash and Tom Power. Yes. Who hung with us, CBC's Tom Power. And then there's yeah. a bunch of other random scattered dudes. I think Ash was the only female in the crowd. Um, 
Yeah. yeah, I don't know who they were. They were there before us. I thought it was just going to be us, and then uh, I was a little so. disappointed that other people were invited. <laughs> I well, I, I thought I've been to like these like sort of press screenings before. That's mm-hmm. you know that's essentially what this was. So there could have been pre-reviewers from different outlets, different newspapers. Yeah. I didn't know if there was going to be some TV people there, maybe checking this thing out. But uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting. I mean, re- you can't. I mean, this will be coming out around the time that the movie comes out. So I guess we could say spoilers and share our thoughts, but mm-hmm. maybe we should hold them back. Yeah, I don't well, know. I think it's fun to talk uh, more broadly about the movie. So to give a little bit more context to our audience, so this movie is put up by A twenty four, which yeah. is like the coolest movie house going right now. Yeah. And what are the movies that they're most well known for? Oh, oh anyway, like all the good ones. Yeah, oh, yeah all of the cool indie, really weird ones. Um, Ash, what names from A24s? Midsommar. Hereditary. Hereditary. <laughs> oh, the two films that were done by the director who did Bows of Yes. Yeah, everything All at Once. What else? Oh, yeah, they just won Green a Green Knight. Yeah. Green Knight. Ex Machina, Moonlight, Uncut Gems, The Lighthouse, oh, the Lady cool Bird, stuff. The Witch, <laughs> Spring Breakers. It was The Witch. Your they did Spring Breakers. Yeah. I never saw that. Uh, yeah. Room. Uh, eighth grade. So, you know, under the skin, the green Knight. Did you ever see the green Knight? Yeah. Yeah, I did. It's really weird. Yeah. But it's, it's still very cool. The lobster, the Florida project mid nineties. That was Jonah Hill's director. Oh uh, yes, debut. yes, yes, yes. Uh, Minari, which was a big Oscar movie a bit ago. So that, you know, come on. It's a lot are, of movies that are very cool that you're very unsure whether you like or not when you leave, <laughs> but you know, it's cool and you think you probably like it. You're also going to blow it away that they let anybody make those kind of movies. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? It's just like, cause during the movie, <laughs> We can get to the movie. But the whole time I was thinking, it was like, if anybody signs up to be in this movie, does it even fucking matter what's on the script? Like, mm-hmm. what's in the script? Like, it doesn't matter. It, it was three hours. This, and it was really interesting and compelling. And it had a lot to do with, like, mommy issues and, you know, being... It was, it was the classic third director movie, I mm-hmm. think. Like, you know, um, Tarantino does... Reservoir Dogs, which was his hereditary. Then Pulp Fiction, which is the big banger, in my opinion, which Ari Aster did uh, Midsommar second. And then I think this is, you know, Tarantino did Jackie Brown third, which Mm -hmm. is a very unusual Tarantino movie. (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan was uh, Sixth Sense, Signs, and then Unbreakable. Uh, right. So, so Damien Chazelle just did uh, Babylon, which is, yeah. I don't know if that's his third or fourth, but he's, yeah. they're all in, I don't give a fucksville. That's well, what they're yeah. looking at. And, and they have, <laughs> they have like um, a blank checkbook and yes. they have the backing of the creative community. So uh-huh. like, for instance, mm-hmm. when you say the actors that read this, is it Walking Phoenix is in this yeah. movie? Uh, Patty LaPone. Is she from Life Goes On? Life Goes On. The the one with uh, Corky? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Obla Dioba does. Yeah, the, uh, so, but the she's song. the mom in that, right? I don't know. Is this, that's uh, yeah, she pull. is. That was like one is of my favorite shows. Is this the same shows. one from The Office? She's in The Office too? No, that's Amy Ryan. Okay. Yeah, he's Amy in this Ryan. as well. And Nathan Lane. Anyway, there's Nathan a bunch Lane. of good actors. Parker Posey's in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look that up though. Uh, While you're doing that, I'll say Magnolia is probably an awesome example of like a third film where the director really goes wild. Mm. P.T. Anderson. Yeah. Have you seen is that? Is that with uh, Nicole Kidman? No. No, that's that's, that's, it has a redhead in it. Uh, which, Whoa, um, good good pull, Shane. Yeah, that's how I know her. Yeah, um, I knew she's like a big respected Broadway star, but the, oh, I did not realize she was the mom in Life Goes On. Mm-hmm. Did you have a crush on the daughter, uh, that actress Kelly Martin? In Life Goes On? Yeah. No, I really only remember the mom and the dad. I really like them as parents. Yeah. Let me see. You remember that actress? Oh, I sir. did. Oh, I love her. <laughs> yes, of course. No, she's. We were very right cool. in that age pocket where it's yes. like you know. And then anyone like her growing up, you have a crush on. Yeah, yeah. like Topanga. 
Topanga, that, that's another mm-hmm. good one where a lot of yeah, people had crushes on world. Topanga. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that your big crush? Uh, who, of course. <laughs> I mean, who else did I like? Uh, I think I like this. I like Brandy a lot. Uh, sister, Sister. Uh, I don't know. Oh, anyway, Tia and Tamara. Yeah. <laughs> sister, sister. I did like is that. Too. Is that a theme song? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've gotten off track. Anyway. Third films for Ozores. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so fi- this one was very, very interesting. And uh, I'd like to give Ari the benefit of the doubt on this one because <laughs> I'm a little taken aback by it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was long. It was three hours. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it bold choices were made. Bold choices. What was Wes Anderson's third film? Was it? Uh, uh, yes. Right. But that bottle rocket doesn't really count, though. That was so buried. OK, so then you go you go to uh, Jason Swart. What's the what's the first one? The, the, like the one with Bill Rushmore Murray. Rushmore uh, Life uh, Life Aquatic would be the third yes, one. The Life swing. Aquatic would be the, his big weird mm. swing that initially wasn't well received, but then had a huge cult following. And a lot of people really love that. And one. They've come back. At it. Yeah. Well, it was interesting watching this film. And there's, you know, like Shane said, it's three hours long and it's a lot of big swings. There's a lot of psychological sort of interesting stuff. It's like, it's actually literally crazy shit is happening on screen, but what does it mean? You're putting it all together. Tom Power actually said after, and I thought it was a great quote. He's like, I, at some point in the film, I just started looking at it the way you look at like a painting. I wasn't thinking so much about, you know, what it might mean. I was mm-hmm. just, I was sort of letting me, I was just feeling things about how it made me feel. Yeah. So that was an interesting way to sort of to look at it. But I do think that to your point about, you know, people c- coming back around and loving it, this could be like a syndactic in New York or whatever, where people pick it apart and then almost like the deep dive and trying to sort of figure out how the whole tapestry works and what it all means. Yes. Becomes part of the experience for the people that love this film. It reminded me of three films a lot, like combined science of sleep, mm-hmm. the old Michelle Gondry film reminded me of eternal sunshine of the spotless mm, mind yep. and synecdoche, New York all combined. It was, it was interesting. I'd be very fascinated to know. Yeah. What the general public. Well, the thinks. reviews, there's reviews that are, are already they, right oh, now. And it's more fun uh, maybe to read a few of them. Uh, this is, the, this was all from my group chat with Ash and Bookla Maddie. Someone said, Bo is afraid. I'm trying to imagine being the A24 exec who read that script and went into a meeting with their bosses and said, we should make this. One of the biggest dumpster fires I've ever seen. Wow. Entertaining oh, on exactly whoa. zero levels. Avoid at all costs. This is a career killer. Let's that's, just say if we do from, have Ari on this episode, I will be shocked at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I just well, literally just did the cut that side. No, no, no I think it's fine. No, listen. Here, Ari, actually, once more, we interview Ari, it's yeah. not like he listens to this no, part. It's He's trapped. Yeah, He's but trapped. His, but his people will listen. To no, it. but here's the thing about making like what the fuck. Okay, let's be real. If if Arias and I'd say this to Arias if Astor if he was in the room right now, I'd be like, "You made the most fucked up movie I've seen in fucking ten years." <laughs> That's probably That's a good pull quote. You'd say that if he was in the room. I would say that. I'd say, I doubt and, that. And no, and I'd say literally that was your intent. Am I correct? Yeah. It's like mm. your intent was to shock people, was to make it a conversation, was to offend people, and he's doing it. And like, we're just reading reviews. And, and just reading this reviews. isn't our opinion. Yeah, he can read. Yeah, yeah, I can read. Rolling Stone said, "Bo is afraid is the Citizen Kane of mommy issues movies." Oh, okay, so that's, that's a compliment. Positive. Citizen yeah, Kane's Citizen considered Kane. the best movie ever made. Okay, someone else wrote, Bo's Afraid is a nightmarish plunge into the darkest parts of our anxiety-laden minds. Ari Aster's uncompromising vision and Joaquin Phoenix's sheer emotional commitment are on full display for nearly three uncomfortable hours. A stunning and maddening journey. All hail Patti LaPone. So, mm. 
those are three kind of different reviews or two different reviews. There's yeah. two positive, one negative. She got some real good scenes. Yeah. Like oh, sorry, which one was she? She was the old mom. She was the old mom. Oh, she was very good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nathan Lane was very good. The, the, honestly, yeah. the entire time. And I, it'd be fun to ask. It was, all I'm thinking, I'm like, man, what are his parents thinking? Like Ari Aster's parents. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Th- anytime anybody does something kind of provocative, maybe just because I'm maybe such- Maybe they don't know he's a film director. You know, like how some parents don't really know what their kids do. It's maybe, like, maybe they're not alive. They, yeah. I mean, that's probably the most artistic freedom. I think yes. I've talked to people who were like, yeah, I'm not going to dis- write my book or say anything until my parents are dead. And then I'll lay in. I don't know. Well, I don't know if his parents are around. But, I'm just, but whenever anybody does anything, any artist does anything that's like kind of cutting edge and provocative- I always think I'm like, I wonder what the conversation's like at Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know? I just never show my parents anything. I do. <laughs> I honestly don't. <laughs> no, but sometimes I think about like our cows and like, you know, songs and, you know, like, I wonder if they're going to ask me about the sad ones or something. You know, like, I don't yeah. want. And then I think yeah. about that conversation. I'm like, I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> you know? Totally. It's uh, hard if you have parents who are interested in what you do creatively. Why? Because your parents aren't? They don't care. <laughs> like they're glad I'm doing stuff, but they don't care to see it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but what makes it's one thing if like, you know, an artist is doing something about their sort of personal life and it's very revealing and they're bearing mm-hmm. their soul. But it's another thing if the entire movie is literally about the weirdness of the relationship with the main character and their mom. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a like Jewish her thing. oppressive nature. Yeah. Or the, uh, you know, mechanical up. dick in the attic. <laughs> that was huge. That giant monster uh, penis. <laughs> was Was that a real... Um, actor, I think it was a person. is a sneak cameo in his best role. <laughs> I'm coming, but uh, the giant dick accepts an Oscar at the end of the cycle. Was that CGI or real? I think, or it, a was, combo, I think right? it was like Little House, Little Shop of Horrors, you know, the big plant. Okay. I think it was that style of puppetry, <laughs> but I think they had some CGI there in the original cut. Frank Oz did the voice of the penis, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's also just like funny shit while I was watching the movie I'm too, joking. where it was like, obviously in Hollywood, they're used to like spending all sorts of money creating worlds. Right. And, and I don't think twice about it if it's like Lord of the Rings or any other sort of like futuristic or sci-fi Yeah, thing. like coherent films. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. But, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed no. it. I enjoyed it in the way that it was like. I can't quite figure it out. It's more making me feel things. It's, yeah. it's, and, and, I, and I was saying coming to the movie, you know, people are always like, oh, it's like the only people that get money to make movies are these Marvel fucking superhero movies, essentially. Yeah. It's like, well, go see this film because they, he got money to he do it. He got money to do it. And that's what I'm thinking. He got to execute his vision. Yeah, because it's one thing. It's like, okay, we're going to make like a gremlin outfit. And it's, yeah. gonna, and it's like, okay, cool, whatever. We've seen lots of gremlin outfits. It's like, okay, we're going to have to blow some stuff up. Cool. But it's just like the, the, the scene where, yeah, it's like, okay, we're going to have to construct a massive dick with yeah. two big balls. Yeah. It's like they had okay, to make like who's the person that. in charge of that? Hereditary made a lot of money. Yes. So I think that uh-huh. gave him carte blanche a little bit. And Midsummer was very well received. Uh-huh. That, that was like a yeah. cultural thing. Yes. You know, with the Halloween costumes. And it pretty much made her like A-list. I, think. I do think his next movie is just going to be like two people talking in a room, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> is there no budget? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you do a couple big ones that make money. Then you got to do this one. Mm. And whether this is... Uh, you know, people fin- like it or not. Financial I, success. I don't think it will be a financial success. It's a movie. challenging movie. Yeah. I mean, we've seen movies like, remember Mother, uh, the one with Jennifer That Lawrence? was the other one. Thank you. That was the other one it reminded me of was a lot. Was that you that saw that or did I say it with Danica? I, I saw that with Alex, which okay, was a I saw terrible with movie. Was, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, wasn't she pregnant oh, at yes. the time? Yes, oh, she I was. And I thought that movie was amazing, by yeah. the way. But another movie, I was like, this cannot be a financial success. Yeah, I, I like, I love that people are funding 
challenging movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know what I mean? It's like he truly got to make, I would imagine, the movie he wanted. Like, no but, notes. Like, no what, notes. How are you going to give notes on that? They really, they're only doing it, though, because he had massive financial yes. success. Right. Yeah. So it's it feels more inspiring than it actually is. I see is. what you're saying. You're you saying know. they're not doing it on the strength of his creative of the last two. It's that it made so much money. Hereditary was yes. like a blockbuster. And yeah. like, and probably a super small budget. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the return was probably incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's how you get these things made. And you know. Yeah, it, it was also making me think um, the entire time about like, okay, if I had absolute creative freedom and unlimited budget, what would I do with my life? You know yeah, what I mean, like, what, yeah. what is the creative project that I take on? And then it actually kind of made me think about the dessert a little bit because I was like, you guys kind of did whatever the fuck you wanted with the sketch show. Yeah. And obviously, it wasn't with unlimited budget, but you were able to kind of like pull off a bunch of really eccentric, yes. outside the box ideas, stuff that you don't really ever see in Canada. And you just fucking did it. And uh, and that creative freedom is kind of awesome. Like I was thinking about that a lot. Just like, especially at the scene when the dick is in the attic. It just reminded me of a move we would do with the dessert and love it or hate it. You just watch it and be like, how and why am I watching this? (laughs) And the credits, he keeps the lights uh, off for a long time and you watch the credits. Yeah. And we kind of did that. In mm-hmm. a sketch oh, in the dessert. 100%. And, and you feel a little bit trapped. Yes. So it was interesting. <laughs> it's a way to sell the dessert. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it. It will make you feel trapped. Well, it, it was a polarizing 100%. sketch. I found that one. Like a lot of people didn't want to make it. The other thing I was thinking about during the movie too uh, was just how, what a sense of humor this guy must have. Mm-hmm. And Tom said that he's interviewed him. Tom Power has interviewed him before. And he said he's a very silly guy and guarded mm-hmm. and like doesn't reveal a lot of, about his personal feelings on things, but has a good sense of humor. And I, I laughed so much during that movie. I was, oh, I was, I was tackling surprised. The enti- like time. for, I would think you have the worst attention span for a movie like, like, like this that. out of all of us. And it was three hours. You were howling. Was, yeah. I had to kind of turn that part of my brain because there's definitely a lot of unsettling shit going mm-hmm. on in the movie, but there's also a bunch of funny stuff. I was like, okay, I'm going to lean more into the comedy and that'll be okay. Another question about Joaquin Phoenix. Do you think he, okay, out of all the great actors of our time, do you think he has the lowest amount of like lines in a movie of any actor that's considered a great actor? Like, does he talk a lot? I'm just trying to think about his other movies and I'm always surprised by the sound of his voice. Like, how many lines did he have in this movie? It's a good he was on, point. He was on stage, yeah, not like, a lot. He didn't talk a lot at hours, all. And he didn't really say anything. I remember in Her, I guess he talked a little bit more. I'd have to think about it. But I'm just always like, he just doesn't say much. He doesn't yeah, feel Joker, like. he doesn't talk that much. I'm trying to think. Well, his big for, his for, big breakout role was in Gladiator as the uh, uh, the brother of I don't remember whatever. That. He's like the guy that basically turned on Russell Crowe. Do you guys like Her? He got nominated for an Oscar. I like Her. That. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. He talked in that, I think, a bit. What, what, what else has he been in? Didn't he, he's been nominated for Oscars outside of Joker. Well, and he, he was, uh, he played Johnny Cash. That was uh, it. That's a lot of talking. That's a lot of talking. Was he, was he ever ripped? In like, Joker, yeah. he lost a lot of weight. He was really oh, oh, uh, the master too. He had a, like a kind of a weird bod. Yeah, he's got a great weird bod. Weird, well, it's face. Such a, it's weird, such, weird sounding voice. His yeah. body is such. I was thinking that watching this film because in this film his character is like a little older, sort of like balding and like you know a little bit uh, looser in the the body area. Yeah, but he's it's not so fit. It's so fascinating because it's like the Joker. He gets obviously so skinny, you know, and sort of emaciated. And then in this, he's you know looks like a middle aged whatever dad bod, but. I'm like, man, his body is such a tool mm-hmm. for his characters. Yeah. And it made me just, and it's, sometimes it's hard watching because then you're just thinking about process. I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's like when he knows he's making this film. Is mm-hmm. he just like, 
hitting the chicken nuggets like hard. Because whatever he did, weird. Yeah, he's he's, he's got, got he can contort his shoulders weird, and it felt like whatever his dietitian put him on to achieve that body type, it gave him really hard boobs, like hard big boobs. It almost mm. looked like he had breast implants. Mm. Oh, interesting. Do you think yeah. there's a chance that the body was in his, like a a prosthetic? The way I was thinking about that when I saw the yeah. the breasts, but um, well, that's what you yeah, have we're to, talking about walking Phoenix right now. <laughs> right, no. Well, yeah, Parker Posey uh, is topless in this movie, also. Um, forget it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> what a way to start the day, you know, guys. This is really. Well, we're all scrambled. We just came out of three hours of like a deep psychological sort of like exploration of, I, I'm guessing Ari's mind, yeah, know, or at least you know what he finds interesting. This stuff it didn't that fuck me up though in any no. way. Like I wasn't like existentially no, weird. Yeah. Cause I think it was, it got silly in the right moment. And I was, I was so processing cause right away. So like once you kind of, I mean, I, I mean, we'll say spoiler alerts maybe in the description, but it's like right away you realize it's like not the real world. It's like the way he either perceives the real world or, you know, if the theory is that he's dead the whole time, what his purgatory or hell is, his imaginings of it. But it's like right away, the people like on his street, it's so like they're acting, they're overacting. It's like a heightened reality. It's like, oh, this isn't reality. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But the first thing in the 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 therapist's office, like, it's like, okay, we're in a conventional movie. And then immediately you're kind of like smacked with, oh, 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 right? It's just, mm-hmm. it almost felt like a music video. Mm. That opening scene, the San, as you say, San Francisco, I, it was it felt New, like York, San Francisco. New York, the yellow cabs and all that. But anyway, it felt like San Francisco. Like the street that he lives on, the madness of that felt like a music video or something yeah. in the way that the people were acting. Everything was so big and mm-hmm. heightened and crazy and, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff and the nudity and the dancing and the, yeah, it was just like, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think we can leave this for now, and I and because uh, I I think we've we've covered it we'll, all. We'll put a pin in that. We'll put a pin in that. Back but, to but, but before the movie was starting, I wanted to talk about the end of the Raptor season, and then Mike oh, said yeah. he didn't even watch the game, which I'm is not. the most shocking thing of maybe more shocking than the movie. 
Yeah. That you didn't watch the basketball game. I know. What I happened? know. I've been thinking a lot about it. Well, okay. So we're doing this big show with Bruce McCullough. I think by the time you hear this, the show will have happened and hopefully it was a smash success. And then you'll hear a pod a week later where we talk about the show. But, um, it's kind of the Ari Aster of, uh, performances. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, uh, yeah. So we were rehearsing, um, at the, at the Rivoli where the show is going to be. And when, we'd asked Ash, we're like, Hey, we want to do some like actual run throughs at the Rivoli and we got to do a full tech run through sort of, cause again, like we're not like a, 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 you know, we don't perform live all the time or like, or, you know, for the three of them that are in the show, they don't hardly ever in our lives. Are we performing live? No, it's like, it's like live pods, which is kind of a different thing. You plan yeah. it a bit, but this is like sketch on stage. And anyway, you really got to like lock it in. And if the tech doesn't work, you're going to be kind of exposed out there. So it's like, we just wanted to really get it right. So we've been sort of prepping it, prepping, prepping it. But when Ash had booked it, she's like, they can have this date, like, uh, I think mm-hmm. it was like the ninth and the 12th or whatever it was, or the sixth and the 12th, the fourth and 12th, doesn't matter. The 12th is the date that matters. Cause it was locked in. It's the only night that something wasn't happening at the Rivoli where we could actually rehearse in the evening. And then of course the season continues unfolding. And then the wraps are in, you know, they make the plan, the dates for the plan come out. And I'm like, Damn it. I'm like this do or die game against the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan in Toronto falls on the 12th. And this is like, there's no, it's not like we can move rehearsal. I'm not going to be out of the rehearsal. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I got to be there for the rehearsal. I'm in, I'm in the show from front to back with the other three of them or whatever. So I'm like, well, I need to make a choice here. Cause obviously like I invest so much fandom and sort of like, you know, emotional uh, sort of like fortitude into the Raptors as a fan that I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to be looking at my phone. I made a conscious choice. I'm, you didn't even realize the game was happening right until like, yeah, you didn't know you're, you're just in show mode. And so I was like, and pops was like, Hey, he's like, well, he's like, we'll be able to like watch the game. This is great. We're both in Toronto. I was like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I think the rehearsal, like, by the time we get there and get rolling, I was like, maybe like the second half, if it kind of wraps and you kind of feel it out. But I was conscious, like, I'm not going to look at my phone. Mm, I'm not going to be very mature. Of the you. game's not going to be a thing. I'm here. I'm doing this thing. And like, we have to concentrate. It's like, I you know, memorize, you know, the whole bit anyway. So long story long, uh, the game's on in the Rivoli like restaurant sort of the thing. And we're thinking, mm. but I'm just like, I'm not in game mode, but then John's kind of giving me updates. And at one point John's like, Oh sweet. It's like, we're up like 19. So at that point I'm like, Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can really not think about this. And on Friday they'll be playing the heat. I'm going to hang out with the guys and we're going to watch Raptors and heat, you know, <laughs> the guys against <laughs> Kyle or whatever. We do our whole thing. We actually finally rap rehearsing like right around like quarter to 10. So it's pretty late. And then John gives me a look and he's like, uh, you want to see the score? Just the way he said it. I hate too, that. Yeah. I was like, so leading. I was like, oh, I'm like, either they like blew him out, like by historic number, like they won by 45 or this is bad. But I'm just like, yeah. And he like shows me his phone and I see the Raptors ended up losing. I even though they were up like 20. So I was like, oh, fuck. I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to figure out how this, and we're just feeling good because we finally got like the thing locked in like by the last couple run throughs. So I was like, I was kind of on this roller coaster thing. Long story long, the way I was sort of framing it in my brain is I was like, oh, I'm like, I guess I'm glad I didn't see this epic collapse. That would have been very painful. But I also feel like I didn't get closure on the season. I spent so much time with them. It's like not seeing a dead body. It's like, you don't believe it's dead if you didn't see it happen. So I almost have to watch the game, which I've taped at home wow. just to have closure on the season. It's like it happened, but that it didn't happen. That is that you're going to do that. I'm going to do it. That's, that's I don't strange. feel like the season ended. I missed it. I missed a, like a moment or something. Like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I need to be there for the funeral. I think the art of breaking bad news is such an interesting one. And there's different, all kinds of different bad news, right? There's like, obviously like, 
really the worst kind of mood news is like someone dies or something. They were in eleventh place though. It's not <laughs> like they had a good season. <laughs> no, no, I know that. I know that. But then there's other news that you know where you just want the the right person to break it to you. Do you resent John right now? <laughs> no, I'm not like a messenger because I got, guy. I've been thinking about things in my own life where I'm like, I wish that fucking person didn't tell tell me what. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, like I wanted to I'd be. I wanted to find out another way. Uh, I was gonna find out. Anyway. I'm glad it was him that told okay. me. You know, he's another fellow diehard Raptors fan. So I got the news from him, which is good. What I don't I, like you know what is I don't like about it. What's that? It, it's it's like the that four seconds of just dread that he yeah. offered. He just said he could have just said if if it was me, John. If you're listening, this is <laughs> this is the way I want you to break bad news. Just be like. Man, the Raptors lost. It's really sorry. Rip the bandaid off. Rip that bandaid off. Oh, Rip the bandaid off. Or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah. So you know the Raptors. R.I.P. to their season. Um, I have a hot take about the game, even though I didn't watch it. Let's hit it. I want to hear it. We need to find Demar Derozan's daughter. Yeah, because you can't do that shit. Obviously, it was an epic collapse in terms of free throws, but you cannot be yelling out like that. If that was golf. They would never accept it. For our listeners, a huge story that came out of this, which I actually, I kind of, I quickly jumped on Twitter as I was sitting there sort of stunned at the loss. And I was like, oh, I'm like, it became apparent that the story was DeMar DeRozan's daughter. And so if you don't know, DeMar obviously played it for years. He's a, he's a local legend. Uh, and his kids basically grew up. Like I remember them being little tiny kids growing up. So I guess, I think maybe may been super fan, Nav, that brought DeMar's partner and his oldest daughter, DR, is like nine now. And they sat right underneath the net or whatever. And it's like, okay. But for them, it's like their dad plays for Chicago now. So it's kind of like, it was a nice story. Well, what his daughter did was every time the Raptors were going to shoot a free throw and in the Raptors arena, the announcers was like, and shooting two, and you get quiet so that the player can concentrate. Well, if you have an agent of chaos that's rooting for the other team, she sat there in the net and just screamed at the top of her lungs. Every time a guy was about to take a free throw, sorry, the game is the Raptors missed 18 of 32. So they, they didn't hit their free throws. Scotty was like, I don't know how, you know, Pascal said, eh, it didn't affect the free throws. Scotty's like, well, we missed 18. I don't know how it couldn't have affected, which is fascinating. Scotty said that. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. And, uh, and it became the number one story on ESPN. Like, just getting trolled on sideline sources like everybody it's a big laugh fest for everybody except for toronto fans that game was in toronto or chicago it's it in, in toronto so basically oh, it, and it, but it was it was so unique in the circumstances because anybody else who's an opposing team uh fan who's in our arena would just get booted immediately yes but because damar is this revered guy that we traded away we all have some weird guilt about it because <laughs> yeah. like he we wasn't the on the championship, championship. Yeah. but he, but he continued to be like the, the classiest guy and says the nicest shit about toronto and the, like if it was anybody else but Demar's kid, they would have been like, you got to go. I don't care if you're nine or you're 90, you're out. Yeah. But because it was like this like, cute little girl who's like, well, you know. It completely mitigated home court advantage. Like yeah. we're at home. We're at home and you're getting fucked with at the free throw line. Well, you know what I mean? There's studies that prove too a wall of sound is much better than silence than when you're yeah. shooting a free throw. Mm. So I think home teams should start implementing a thing where it's so eerily quiet when the opposition shooting instead of screaming at instead them instead of creating that comforting wall of sound that where nothing stands out. I've heard a few things. I, somebody's, I don't know if it was a college that did this, but there's another one where it's like, if someone's about to shoot a free throw, everybody stood up like behind the basket. So like you see through yeah. the glass and then just before they shoot it, everyone takes one step to the left. So it kind of fucks ah, with your perspective. It almost looks cool. like the net moves to the right or the left. I like that. Depending move. on every, but to coordinate all that, you know, you basically just got to give them thunder sticks. But to Shane's point, maybe dead silence is the key. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell did a report on it. And you have like one screamer. 
But well, it could anyway. have been one of those Michael Lewis things. I don't know. They all seem the same. One of the <laughs> pop culture one of those science smart, people. Smart people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's the big story. And I don't know, to your point, Max, I don't know how you, st- maybe you politely ask her to stop, but if she doesn't, you're not going to remove her. You can't do that. You can't do it. Yeah, it was funny. I was watching with Book Club Maddie and Ash text. She's like, this fucking kid is killing me. Like, are you listening to this? But we had the volume down a little bit, so I didn't hear it. You and didn't go to the game. No, I didn't go. I thought you would have gone for yeah, sure. No, you know, I was like, I'll go if they make the actual playoffs, but now I can't like, I don't want to be around if they lose. I just yeah, can't yes. handle it. But, um, but then I was like, oh, no, I didn't. And then we turned it up like, oh yeah, that is happening. And then of course, if you search Twitter, like, okay, it's starting to populate. Like everybody's talking about this thing. And then we're like, who's the screamer? And then I think Greg broke the news that the screamer was Demar's kid, in like in our group. basketball chat, yeah. like during mm-hmm. the game. But God, you know. Yeah, I saw all that retroactively. Like, yeah. So it's it, it's just in twenty years, I a Raptor season hasn't ended without me watching. Like the bad ones. I sat through so many bad seasons. It mm-hmm. just feels weird that I wasn't there for the end. Yeah. Do you wish you watched it in progress? Well, this is the thing. I thought I, immediately after, I'm like, well, I guess I'm glad I missed the collapse. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, I feel like I I need to be there for the. I'm there for everything. So I actually feel weird that, and this might be it for Fred Van Vliet, who's been a big part of our lives for a half decade. Mm-hmm. Like this team as it is, like past, anything could happen this summer could have been the last like experience with them. But again, I got it taped. I'll go and sit through it, you know, just because I want to suffer. Mm-hmm. During the rehearsal, it seemed like you didn't care that much that you were missing it. Yeah. And then afterwards, you kind of just had your like head down. You're like, <laughs> 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 you were so upset. I was like, whoa, I did not know Mike was actually going to be sad. I'm very, well, I'm very good at compartmentalizing when yeah. I'm like, t- I'm a task at hand guy. I'm like, are we rehearsing? Like I'm yeah. locked in. I'm like, I got to make sure that like all four of us are getting our lines and I want to be a present like scene partner, all that. Like, I'm just like, this is the job. And then I, I, I put it aside. And then it really helped when John said they were up 19 or something. Cause mm-hmm. then I was like, I got to park it in a very positive way. And I got a giddy about Friday night against Miami, which, yeah, I was actually, feeling so so bad for the Chicago Bulls fans during that third quarter when we were up by 19. I was like, man, what a pathetic way to end the season. I was literally thinking this. I was, like, I was like, man, they got these this team that has all these all-stars on them, but they can't get their shit together. Man, yeah. it must be tough to be a Chicago fan these days. And then they got the last laugh. Yeah, but then, yeah, then the news came in and it, you saw you saw me go through every, like it just mm-hmm. kind of, it kind of settled in and then I just sat there on the bench at the Rivoli just like thinking about <laughs> the end of it all and how I wasn't there to see the car crash. That's funny. Sitting on the bench as if you just got off the court and yeah, you just, it's just yeah this is a tough one fellas yeah, you're just like sitting yeah. in the locker room we'll be back next year yeah. you know we'll get them but yeah it's, you know it is what it is and now and now this it is kind of you know we love the nba playoffs we love the finals like now we get to go on a fun two-month journey seeing how it all unfolds yeah it's a weird a season like it doesn't seem like season. anyone's a lock to win this year no which does make it fun as like if you don't have a, a you know dog in the race who's gonna win i'll make a prediction go let's hear it lakers Ooh. wow there you go. I like this prediction. They were in the play-in too. And they barely beat Minnesota. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would like to see... I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. He did. He just came out with a really nice feature on him where he actually talked about uh, mental health, how he's been seeing a therapist and mm. how money doesn't make him happy. And he's like, my dad, his dad, I guess, passed away suddenly a little while, like a couple years ago. But he was saying like, he's like, my dad had no money, but he had us kids. And so he felt like the richest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. And he's like... I signed this Big Mac well, contract. Well, saw how tall his kids were. They make the money. But it was really, it was really, and there was all these cute details about like, uh, like he's in the locker room have, talking to this reporter and then his kid comes over like, daddy, daddy, daddy. And the reporter's like, you can tell like Giannis like loves his kids so much, but he's like, but he also just needs to continue talking to the reporter, get this thing off his chest that he's talking about. So he's like, babe, 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 can you come get him? Let, let him watch YouTube kids. Let him watch YouTube kids. And I'm like, it doesn't matter how rich 
people are. <laughs> it's the exact same routine Why, for every kid. Throw on he, YouTube. He's like, go to mommy. She has candy. She has candy. And the kids still <laughs> hang out. And he goes, babe, 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 please come take them. Let him watch YouTube kids. And I'm just like, wow. Just a window into like, we really are all the same. Yeah. yeah. The incentive structure is exactly the same. Doesn't matter if you're a multimillionaire or whatever. It's like, where's the candy? Where's the video games? Yeah. Somebody <laughs> come take this kid. I'm in the middle of work right now. Uh, but yeah. So anyway. R.I.P. to the Raptors season. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next year. But it feels like a, a summer of a lot of a lot of change. I, you know, I, I got a question for you, mm. because in our group, obviously, you know, Nick Nurse, who's the head coach of the Raptors, he gave some statements that were kind of like a little, not, not ambiguous, but kind of like, oh, we're really going to have to assess the season this summer. He kind of gave quotes that were a little bit like, oh, is he thinking of going blah, 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 blah. And this was before the season was over. So it caused a huge news cycle. So we talk about it in our basketball group. Sure. But it's interesting talking about mm-hmm. these things because in any other basketball chat we're just so separate from these people that actually make the decisions it's like and, watching a movie yeah it's yeah. like it doesn't you can talk about it in a way uh-huh. i find myself being more sensitive mm. in that chat because you and matt are friends uh-huh. with nick nurse yeah. you legitimately Derek is in the chat too. Da- Derek, <clears throat> like the th- you guys are all actual friends so i find myself thinking like oh i can't just sort of like Maybe after a win, if I'm or after a loss, if I'm really angry, uh-huh. I'm I'm a little bit more judicious in my uh-huh. word choice out of respect for your friendship. As you, for you, when you're reading the chat, do you get do you? Because I find sometimes you get very defensive. I do with get Nick. a little defensive. I like know. your posts sometimes are. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a guy defending his friend uh-huh. more than a fan objectively looking at the season. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing happens with the Leafs because I know Kyle Dubas. Yes. And, but I equate it to just like, if you're just like a friend period, doesn't matter if, uh, they're, you know, front office executive or NBA coach, but it's just like, if, if a friend is in the middle of a situation, right. Like in, mm-hmm. in, with your, with your group and, you know, people go, Oh, that person should have done that. And then you go, Oh, I know them. And that's not exactly what they meant, or that's not exactly what they said. Or actually, if you knew more about the context, it would actually, you'd actually agree that they actually made the best decision there, or you're misreading that, you know, because of your, and I feel like you're having some insight, uh, with, with Kyle and Nick is I know in their particular situation is that, you know, I I always say this with any Lee's fan, any Lee's fan that criticizes, you know, you go around the room of, 30 lease fans and 30 lease fans with 30 different opinions on what, how they should have constructed the roster. And I would say to them, you know, Kyle Dubas has thought about more about what each one of your points is more deeply than you have by a thousandfold. hundred percent. So it's not like he doesn't know he, but he's just happens to be the guy making the decision. Like, and I, and I say the same thing with Nick nurse, like, you know, player stuff. It's not like he hasn't thought about it, but he just has to make a call. And sometimes he's right. And sometimes he's wrong. But it's not like he doesn't know what your counterpoint is. Like, of course he knows what your counterpoint is, but he thinks. But it's very fun to criticize things. Oh, of course. That's the best part <laughs> of being uh, uh, following sports is the best. Being a fan. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. It has changed my attitude a little bit. Just knowing, uh, you know, how much these guys are like living and breathing it and how much they care about it. And and yeah. And, and you know, Nick's, you know, talked a little bit about with me just like you know, like the difficulties of the season and, you know, he talks about with the press every single day and it's been a long, hard season. You know, it's like, I think Fred talked about it too. It's like, you know, it's like there's a, the championship hangover is like, has like fully set in and now we got to mix things up. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to be done. And Nick would be the first person to say that too. Yeah. Will you be sad if Nick leaves Toronto or does that just mean like more private jet 
type things where you go see him. <laughs> Wherever he goes, Max yeah. is going with him. Yeah, yeah, I'm relocating to Houston too. No, um, <laughs> no he'll fly you out, I would think. No, no, no. no uh-huh. I hope he stays, honestly. Yeah. Like, but that's uh, not the question. Would you be sad if he didn't? Yeah, I think I would definitely be sad if he didn't. Because Tears sad or just like... What? Tears? Not tears. I don't know. Are you cry easy, I feel like. <laughs> I, I can see him being emotional like the last hang before he would leave like town. Yeah, it would be sad. It would be really sad because it's been such a unique part of my life. Because it's the could... only home Nick's ever really had, right, as a head coach. And he's been here for 10 years, probably wow. longer than just about anywhere else he's ever lived as an mm. adult, which is pretty cool. And he won us a championship. I have a lot of affection for Nick. Yeah. You know, and maybe, you know, like... Again, like if things go a little bit differently, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like a couple free throws fall, you know, a couple shots get made earlier in the season and no one's having these conversations. Just handcuffed and thrown out of the building. <laughs> you know? Kick her out. That is wild though. What a story. What a story. I will say though, um, I, you know, we have a friend who isn't going to watch the Leafs until they make it through the first round. Is that true? Yeah. Give us the name. Do we know? Him? Uh, yeah, I can. Should I say our friend Chris, uh, who works in music, gotcha. he's a lifelong Leafs fan, yeah. like 50 years old, okay. or late forties. And he's just like not doing it. And for Kyle and if Kyle were listening to this, he'd be like, Max, can you grow up? Just, just fuck off and grow up, please. Yeah. But I don't know if I can watch the first round. I just don't know. I just don't know what I'm oh, going to do. Oh yeah. The long suffering Leafs, man, yeah. that will be tough. Because, Cause I love Kyle so, so much. And I, and I care about him so much and I want the team to be successful. Mm-hmm. And, but if they lose again, and I know he's done everything in his power. To make the team. Yeah, didn't they make like big moves and stuff? Oh, like yeah, deadline. they make big like, moves. Again, they they finished with 50 wins this year. Wow. They're in the toughest like what division. Place are they in? They're second behind Boston. Boston is having like an all time, like they almost set the record for most wins in a season. Like, so yeah. they're going to have a good seed where they play like a worse team. When the problem, oh, oh, hockey doesn't work like that. It's weird. Ah. And I don't know exactly how it works, but basically, since the beginning of the season, they were like, yeah, we're playing Tampa in the playoffs and we lost them last year. Shit. Yeah. So, and Tampa's in their division and they, in their perennial like powerhouse. So, okay. we'll see. A lot of, a lot it's of, weird. What's the incentive to even win games or have a good. Position. I mean, yeah, it's basically if they finished second or third, it was going to be against him. Okay. I don't know exactly how the rules work, but well, there you have it. There you have it. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap. Well, you this. know what? Maybe Ariaster's up next, and if not, this was a great thing. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks so much, Nathan Ash, for putting this together. Potentially, thank you to Ariaster. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. If the music's playing right now and you see that the time is ticking down and there's no pod left, it means that the interview didn't happen. But hey, maybe we're going to him. Yeah. All right, thanks so much to Ash as well for everything she does. Nathan. Nathan, I already thanked him. Oh, okay. But he deserves twice. Yeah. You know, they're doing great work. Also, leave some comments on the pod uh, on iTunes. That oh, helps. that's nice. All Do right. That. Okay. Great hang, guys. Maybe the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.